throw to the plane. This is the Freeway Entrance. I'm Dusty Baker, and once again, being joined by Derek Johnson. He is merging along with me. Derek, uh, you've kind of had a little bit of a, a road taking you off the uh, the beaten path here the last couple weeks. Football season along the way, and uh, naturally in Kansas, that's a, that's a much bigger deal than maybe it is on the West Coast here. Yeah, lots going on. Uh, doing a lot of broadcasting stuff, football season, all, all sorts of stuff going on, but um I don't know. The Giants have, have made me uh, certainly enjoy baseball a little bit less here over the last <laughs> month. But but no, uh, NL West has, has just been so much fun all season long. Dodgers just continue to look great. Padres, again, kind of fading in the second half, but might actually hold on to the playoff spot this year. We'll see. Yeah, we will. Uh, obviously, at the start of the year when we did this podcast, you know, we were talking about the chance of having possibly four NL West teams in the playoffs. It's obvious that's not happening now. But even before we get into the uh, the depth of that, Derek, our fielder's choice, uh, it is football season. And while I don't want to put your mind directly on football season, because I know that's the last thing you want to think about right now, um, one positive about football season is tailgating. Now, something that's interesting to me is that in Major League Baseball, it doesn't seem that there's really tailgating anywhere except for one team. That would be the Oakland Athletics. For whatever reason, people in Oakland decided because their stadium's so bad, let's just to do the same thing outside and just cause a, a trash storm and, uh, you know, before we go to the game. So they actually do tailgate. I, I want to ask you, and I'll give you my personal opinion here in a second, with football season here, people obviously religiously tailgate. Do you believe that baseball should have a tailgating situation where people, you know, before the game, you know, a couple hours early, they, they get their trucks out, they throw down the, uh, the tailgate and they, the cookout is, is that something you could see happening or is it just, is that just a football thing? I mean, I can see it happening for like a playoff game or something like that. It's, it's just tough. There's so many games over the course of the season. Like it takes a lot to go tailgate. Like it's a once a week thing. You can do it on the weekend, drinking a lot of beer. You're, you're having to, create all this setup and pack your car up and all this cleanup. It's fine. If it's a once a week thing, you don't want to have to do it every day. I agree. I, I, it's kind of my take as well. I think that there's a reason why, you know, you don't see it in baseball, but I also agree with the playoff aspect. I feel like what major league baseball teams could do theoretically, and this is probably good for them making more money, which is obviously their end goal still uh, you know how at bowl games they'll have these tents out there and you could go to the the side for the away team, the side for the home team. I feel like Major League Baseball should implement something like that, like the pregame tailgate for the postseason. Maybe it's the I, I know for the World Series they do something like that. But if they did that for the, the wild card round, the DS, the CS, that would be pretty cool um, just to kind of add that you know, extra element to what a postseason game is. But I completely agree. I think it's more difficult considering 162 games but it's always something that comes to my mind anytime football season comes around is man you know it'd be cool to have a tailgate at a baseball game it's just 
Yeah, maybe not Oakland A's and instead do it just during the postseason. Well, with that being said, we're going to head directly into our high tide headlines. We're going to start with the division leaders, the L.A. Dodgers. They had Jake Reed. They claimed him. Of course, he closed out a game against his former team, the New York Mets, and then they DFA'd him. So he has been claimed by the Baltimore Orioles. It's crazy how the circle of life kind of goes in Major League Baseball. Unfortunate for Jake Reed that he got cut, but he now has found his next home. The Dodgers, in turn, have signed Keone Kella, which is an interesting name, of course, a former closer as well. They've signed him to a minor league deal. Mark Pryor stepping up. Maybe they can find something out of him and use him moving forward. Meanwhile, David Price has been put on the IL for inflammation in his left wrist. Ryan Pepiot has been recalled as a replacement. Miguel Vargas has also been recalled. One of their top prospects plays third base, has played a little bit of first base as well. And then the big news, of course, Clayton Kershaw has been reinstated from the IL. Derek, any moves here outside of probably the Kershaw one that really stands out to you? No, uh, not really besides the Kershaw one. That's the big one. Uh, the Giants need someone for David VR to hit home runs against. So uh, it's good that Kershaw's back. No, but uh, they need that pitching because as great as Tyler Anderson and like Tony Gonsolin have been all season, you're going to feel a little less confident if they're going toe-to-toe against a Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer or whoever that the Dodgers are playing in the playoffs. Clayton Kershaw, even though he has had you know, not the smoothest sailing in the postseason is someone you know you can kind of rely on to be that veteran presence. Yeah, and especially with Tony Gonsolin being on the IL right now, and it doesn't seem like there is a definitive time that Gonsolin will return. It just makes Kershaw's presence that much more valuable. The one thing that is interesting, though, is that with Gonsolin out and Kershaw in, the Dodgers rotation right now is basically all left-handed pitchers. They have Kershaw, Urias, Tyler Anderson, Andrew Heaney, that's really right now your top four. And then Ryan Pepiot being that number five, which you're not going to start Pepiot in a playoff game, right? So uh, you're really looking at if Gonsolin doesn't make a return, we don't know the status as far as what his return is going to look like. But the Dodgers, as of right now, they're an all-lefty squad, um, which is interesting because if they do face a team, as you mentioned, like the New York Mets, well, the hitters on the Mets that are the big-time guys, you have Pete Alonzo, you have Starling Marte. What are they? Uh, the righty hitters. So something to kind of keep an eye on there. Um, if the Dodgers match up with the Atlanta Braves, it's going to be kind of a similar story with Austin Riley and Vaughn Grissom and Dansby Swanson and you name it. You just go down the list. A lot of really strong righty hitters for those two NL East teams. So uh, they, they're going to have to hope that Gonsolin comes back at some point here soon to kind of break up that lefty matchup in the rotation. Okay, moving on to the San Diego Padres. Brandon Drury has been placed on the concussion list. Now, another starter, Dustin May, they're still trying to extend him here for the LA Dodgers. I think that he's going to probably be your one righty guy in the rotation uh, as long as he can prove he can remain healthy. I'm not one of those that can just sit here and say for certain that's exactly the direction they're going to go. I still think Dustin May fits better with a more of a Julio Arias role that they had in 2020, but that's just my opinion. Um, it looks like Dustin May, though, has the capabilities to go deep. But one thing that he did wrong, he threw a curveball and it hit Brandon Drury in the head. So he's been put on the concussion list. Uh, they have recalled Matt Beatty, former L.A. Dodger right there. And then they also recalled Reese Nair. So anything particular there for the Padres, you got to look at that Drury move. It's kind of the big news there. Yeah, um, he – I don't know. They – I don't know what to really think of the Padres. They just keep like struggling in the second half every year. You know, what's interesting. Juan Soto, like the BABIP is just so far down from where it is for his career. For his career, he's got a 311 BABIP. This year it's a 245. And with the Padres, it's a 250. Now, clearly 
hitting a lot of ground balls is not going to help your BABIP. And, and that seems to be an issue, but it's just amazing that his walk rate is so high. His strikeout rate is so low. And, and man, what happened to Joe Musgrove? Yeah. Musgrove has really fallen off uh, the Padres rotation. Uh, okay. So in their wild card game, Derek, cause inevitably it seems like if they punch their ticket, to the playoffs, which they're right now on a pace to do that, uh, they're going to have to play in that wild card series. Who is your starter for game one for the Padres? Is it crazy to go you Darvish? That's who I, I'm going with. That's that's who I go with. I mean, I will say like Blake Snell hit that nice little, I don't, I don't know. He's He's been a lot better here in the second half. Um, that would kind of be interesting to me, depending who you play. Like if you're playing a team in that, that game where, uh, it's it's more lefty related. Like they have some good lefties in the lineup. Maybe I do go Blake Snell, but yeah, I think you gotta go Darvish right now. I go Darvish as well in that. A team that's still got some hope to get to the MLB playoffs. They got a long way to go, and it kind of got cut a little bit short with their series against the LA Dodgers this week. That would be the San Francisco Giants. Giants made a lot of moves this past week. Number one, probably the biggest one that stands out. They selected Lewis Brinson, who has just been on a minor tear already for San Francisco. Of course, the former top prospect for the Brewers, he gets traded to the Marlins in exchange for Christian Yelich. He doesn't work out there in Miami. And so now the Giants take a chance on him. And uh, to be honest, Eric, I think in his one week of being with the Giants, he's been more productive overall than he had at all with the Miami Marlins. So a big move for them there. Uh, to bring him up. Luis Ortiz was also selected. They DFA'd Andrew Knapp. Austin Slater was sent to the 10-day IL. They claimed Jose Rojas. Steven Duggar is now officially announced to be a free agent. Alex Wood has been put on the 15-day IL. Uh, Brandon Belt has undergone knee surgery, so he's done for the year. They also, as you kind of aforementioned right there, they recalled David Villar, and then Jonathan Bermuda is outrighted. And another move that I kind of think is interesting, it's not really a move, but it's a discussion at this time, the Giants are talking about extending Jock Peterson. So a lot of headlines right there to unwrap. Let's just go to the top ones you hear from right there, Derek. What what stands out to you as a Giants fan uh, that really kind of may help impact them this year and for the future too? Well, to be honest, the only thing this year that's of interest to me is are they going to even finish ahead of the Diamondbacks? Right now they have the same record as Arizona and I don't think they have a, a shot in hell at, at the playoffs. I mean, they're the fan graphs playoffs percentage 0.5%. Like it's not happening. So the only thing that's of interest to me now is like, how is this going to affect next year? So the Jock Peterson thing with the contract extension, I'm curious how much he's going to go for. Cause he's had a pretty awful second half year. Um, I'll be interested to see if Lewis Brinson can keep this up. It's a good start for him. He's certainly someone who has a lot of potential, they're just trying anything they can. And, and what happens with Brandon Bell? You know, you mentioned his injury. He's going to be out for the rest of the season here. He was on a one-year contract playing on the qualifying offer. Are they going to bring him back? Is he going to get a cheaper contract? Is Brandon Bell finally going to be on another team? That'll be very interesting to me. Yeah, no doubt. I, uh, I'm i intrigued by Brandon Bell because, I mean, you've seen the height of his value. You know, when he first came up, he was like James Loney 2.0, in my opinion, and then he gained a ton of pop. And you know he's a guy that can slug over 500 and produce 25 to 30 home runs a year, right? So curious to see what happens with what the Giants do with him. But I, I agree. You know, I, I don't like to bury, you know, any team and say that they have no shot. But the Giants have really missed out on a lot of opportunities to secure a chance to be in the postseason. It looked like they had a shot a couple of weeks ago, and they just have not won the games that they really, quite frankly, had a chance to win or needed to win. Um, and that's part of the reason why you find them in this position. A team that's super interesting, and you kind of talked about them right there, the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
Man, Derek, when we started this year, we thought that this was just going to be a really terrible team with no interesting names. And we thought this was going to be the team we talked about the least. Honestly, there's a lot to talk about overall with them. And we'll do that more when we cruise the coast. But uh, some of the moves that they made, maybe not so glaring. They selected Wilmer Defoe. Of course, he was once a Washington National. Kenyon Middleton and Kyle Nelson have been reinstated from the IL. Noelle, Noe, Noe Ramirez has been DFA'd. And then Ryan Nelson has promote, been promoted as well. Of course, most of the details, most of the known information, the, the talkable points, if you will, that was, of course, when they brought up Corbin Carroll and they brought up Stone Garrett and all these you know, minor league names that had produced in double A and triple A. So we'll get more to that in the cruising the coast, but not a ton of headlines there for them. The Rockies, Alan Trejo has been recalled and Chad Smith has been recalled. Uh, there's absolutely nothing to say about them in that respect. So with that in mind, we will cruise the coast here. And we're going to start with the Hollywood heaters, the LA Dodgers. They have just been absolutely unbelievable in their tear coming off a series win over the San Francisco giants. And this team right now, Derek is pushing for one sixteen still at this time. It seems a little less likely they're six and four in their last 10. Uh, they are on a two game win streak. They go into a series on the road with the Padres this weekend, but man, a 94 and 42 overall record. What is that ballpark number, do you think, by the end of the year, they're going to have win total-wise? I'll say, I mean, I think I think they definitely surpassed what they did last year, which was, what, 106? Um, 106 franchise record. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to get past that. I, I think they're going to kind of blow past that, to be completely honest. Fangraphs has them right now at 109. I'll, I'll say a little bit shorter of that, because once you hit a certain point, once you break the franchise record, maybe – you're not playing for as much. I'll say 108. Okay, 108. I'm going to go with 110. I think 110 is a pretty safe pick, actually. Um, if you look at it in re- like retrospect right now, you know, that's 16 wins away. And if you go 16 wins away, they're going to have 52 losses, right? And so uh, at this rate, they would be 16 and 10. I, I think that's super doable, actually. So um curious to see what happens with them if that's kind of the direction they go but i think 110 is the the safe number for them they will break their franchise record pretty easily i have a feeling but the question is are they going to rest guys what's that going to look like so curious about that as for the san diego padres not quite the same luxury the dodgers have right now to say the least they are at this time the bottom wild card team okay so the phillies and then of course the braves and the mets battling for that first place spot in the NL East and the loser gets the best wild card. Um, The Padres though, 75 and 62, they're three and a half games above the Brewers. Is there any chance they cough this up? I mean, I think there's definitely a chance with the way that some of those guys have been playing in the second half mentioned with Joe Musgrove nearing like a five ERA in the second half. We saw this from him last year too. Um, When you look at two, the way that Josh Hader, like, that's just been a disaster since bringing him over. And I, I can't figure out what's wrong with him because you look at some of the underlying numbers or the fastball velocity, like it's, it's all still fine. So um, clearly there's, there's something there. And I think that idea that was always in the background of, well, it's okay, just stay afloat, Fernando Tatis is coming. Like obviously that's not happening anymore. And I, I wonder if that mentally just kind of makes things fizz out a little bit. Uh, and also the fact that they just lose to the Dodgers every time. Like, that has to be demoralized. Absolutely. Yeah, the Dodgers have had their number. Um, I think the most interesting thing, and you alluded to it a little bit early, is 
every trade chip that they acquired, right? So we're talking Josh Hader. You're talking Juan Soto. How about Brandon Drury, who's currently on the IL? And then Josh Bell. None of them have really stepped up and done anything since they were acquired by San Diego. You know, we could put all our eyes on Juan Soto, who really has not been that great. 220 average over the last month. He's slugging 354. Um, on base percentage is still great for Soto. He's always going to be getting on base. But I think Josh Bell is the most interesting one. Okay, over the last month, he's 18 for 96. That's good for a 188 average. He's got a 310 on base, but a 323 slugging. These numbers are nothing near where he was putting up numbers with Washington. And I know that he's not been the greatest second half guy, but this is a really bad second half that he's putting together in San Diego. And he's their cleanup hitter. You know, he's supposed to be the guy driving guys in. So he's supposed to protect Juan Soto. And he did a better job doing that in D.C. than he's doing it right now in San Diego. And that is a problem, if you ask me. As for your San Francisco Giants, you know, this is uh, you, you kind of talked about it. it it's a struggle for them. It doesn't seem like the playoffs are really going to be the end game for them. So right now, as a Giants fan, what are you looking for? I'm just looking for guys that are going to step up that you feel like are part of the 2023 roster. Maybe it's Lewis Brinson continuing to to kind of show up there, but guys like Tyro Estrada finishing out the season strong, like he'll be part of the roster. Um, guys like Logan Webb continuing to to finish strong and um, just kind of hoping that maybe there's something that you see from some of the young guys or guys that will be returning in certain roles. Like Joey Bart, um, after getting called back up, has been playing a lot better. Uh, let's see what he can can do to kind of finish the season. It's really just about kind of the future guys at this point. Um, are guys that maybe have struggled but showed something last year, can they find a little bit of a, a streak at the end of the season to make you feel like, okay, maybe the majority of this season was – was not exactly what you hoped for. Can Jock Peterson finish strong? Because they are going to extend him. Like, you don't want to feel like it was just extended based on two good months. You know what I mean? Yeah, you want to make sure you can see who you can build the lineup around Aaron Judge with, right? So uh, that's the uh, the important thing. <laughs> I, I do think that the Giants are going to pursue Aaron Judge this offseason. That's a whole other podcast that you can listen to on Booze and Baseball with Derek and I. But uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Desert Dingers, man, the crazy thing is, I don't think any of us saw this coming. They right now are nine games back of the Padres for that third wildcard spot, and so are the Giants. I, I don't... I'm shocked, really. They have the same record as San Francisco at 65 and 70. And it's just crazy because the Giants season has been so frustrating and has seemed like such a disappointment. But for the Diamondbacks with the same record, it seems like almost a success, if that makes any sense to you. I like I, it's weird. It's hard to really vocalize this, but the Diamondbacks are actually a fairly decent team now. Uh, you bring up Corbin Carroll, you bring up Stone Garrett, who I believe deserves a starting spot. Jake McCarthy has been unbelievable since he was called up. Um, the Probably one of the worst hitters on their team right now is Cattell Marte. Christian Walker has just been hitting the lights out of the baseball. They're, they're actually fun to watch. And Zach Gallen has been dominant. 41 in the third innings pitch, I believe, scoreless baseball. Like it, it, They have a lot of good pieces to look forward to. Yeah. Um, I think that the difference in the kind of context there is that Diamondbacks have a lot of these young players coming up with the Giants. A lot of their farm system really struggled this season and just making certain moves where it was like not eyed to the future at all, not selling at the trade deadline, not understanding where you were as a team, whereas that the Diamondbacks, they know where they're going. And you see a lot of these young guys coming up like Corbin Carroll hasn't lit the world on fire, but he's still done enough 
had enough cool highlights that as a, a first-year player in the MLB makes you feel good about where he's going to be. And you just feel good with what's happening in the farm system there with guys like Jordan Lawler, with having, uh, you know, being able to get out and, and get Drew Jones. And it's it's going in a good spot. Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen, that's that's a fun little one-two at the top of, of the rotation there. I really like this team next season. And, and on paper, like, obviously a lot remains to be seen with what happens in the offseason, but – Right now, I would be picking the Diamondbacks ahead of the Giants next year. I, I kind of have to agree with you, too. Um, unless the Giants make a nice splash in the offseason to really revitalize the team, the Diamondbacks, I mean, they're going to be pushing for a wild card spot next year. The way that they're playing, have a season Corbin Carroll come up all of a sudden. Um, that outfield looks really solid. Uh, if Christian Walker can somehow somewhat replicate what they've he's been able to accomplish this year. I mean, watch out. Uh, the league should be on alert for this team because they look pretty dang good. A team that's not looked good this year and a team that won't look good next year and a team that won't look good probably for the next like 10 years are the Colorado Rockies. I, I hate talking about them on this podcast, man. They're just not fun to watch. They don't have any consistent pieces. If you look over the last month offensively, it's been Randall Gritchick being their best hitter. And he's been all right over the last month. I mean, 322 average, but it's not even slugging all that much. A 489 slugging in that ballpark. And outside of that, the production from CJ Crone has really gone down south. Charlie Blackman's really fallen back down to earth. Brendan Rogers was hitting the heck out of the ball. And I don't know what's happened to him over the last month, but it's like he's a completely different hitter, like back what he was a year ago all of a sudden. So uh, is there even any way to classify what the Rockies are doing and, and try to justify that there is some silver lining, there's something positive to look at for them? Really, the only silver lining for me is not happening in the majors. It's it's what's happening in the minors. The farm system's looking really good. Zach Veen coming along. You have uh, Ezekiel Tovar, who I'm really excited about. Like there's some young, interesting pieces that are coming up in the minors for them that I'm excited to see what happens. But also because they haven't like been sellers when they should be over these last couple of years, it's not going to have as, as much depth as maybe the farm system could have had if you traded some of those guys. So uh, it's, it's one of those things with the Rockies where it's almost like no notes, but it's in a negative way. Totally agree. I would say the one positive that's at the MLB level right now Herman Marquez had been terrible at the start of the year. And I'm wondering if he's starting to at least turn the corner a little bit in his last two starts, he logs seven innings. Um, he allows only a run, actually two runs to the Cincinnati Reds that was on the road. And he allows no runs against the New York Mets. Uh, he did have a rough start before with Texas, but one thing that's interesting, he's actually pitched deep in ball games since the start of the summer. Um, he's logged quite a few quality starts. He's not striking out quite as many guys. His whip is still up, but he's at least turning in better starts than he did at the beginning of the year. And Herman Marquez is the only starting pitcher in that rotation that I think offers any value whatsoever moving forward. So they really need something out of him if they want to even compete to get innings next year. But yeah, that's, it's pretty sad that that has to be my positive takeaway. Cause it's, if he, if he's putting on these numbers on any contending team, we wouldn't be talking about him on this podcast. So that just shows you how bad the Colorado Rockies have been. Well, with that, we have arrived at our freeway exit, and that will do it for the State of the NLS podcast. For content from Derek and myself, listen to us on Booze and Baseball. We'll have a new podcast coming up this week as well. On behalf of Just Baseball, he is Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Join us again next week as we break down the happenings here on the Best Coast.